everybody, whether you're the president of a company or the paperboy, everybody has the exact same amount of time. You and I both have 24 hours a day. No more, no less. The question is, what do you do with your time? Welcome to Z-Books, Successful Authors Podcast. And you know I only have interesting people on my podcast. And today we have a story, a human story of courage and indomitable spirit. On the other line is David Bird. Help me welcome David Bird to the podcast. Hi, David. How you doing? Hello, Eric. I'm fine, thank you. It's good to speak to you. Yeah, it is good to speak to you. Every time we do a podcast, there's always a challenge. Last week's podcast with Harold Johnson, I had to steal my wife's laptop and use the emergency version, and, and now my laptop's working again. So you, yes, it is very good to talk to you, David. <laughs> How you doing? Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. I just hope you understand my Norfolk dialect. It seems all right to me. You're in Norfolk. I was, that was my next question. Where are you? Yeah, I'm in, in a place called Heacham in Norfolk. Ah, uh, yeah. So by the coast. Okay. How, how far to the beach? Um, oh, about 10-minute walk. Oh, lovely, lovely. And how's the weather right now? Well, it's been lovely today. I've been out in the garden all day. Cool. Nice. Yeah, we're having a heat wave in Germany. 10 days of good weather. It's like a, a, a record for Germany. So it's crazy. Get that like that over here. Nice, nice. Yeah, so um, is uh, the beach by your house, is it a nice sand beach or a gravel beach? It's, it's a bit shingly where we live. Ah. But if you go further around the coast, beautiful sandy beaches, absolutely beautiful. Nice. The, um, we have uh, something very famous local to us. It's Sandringham. Where the Queen lives sometimes. Oh, oh, okay. I'm going to have to look that up in Google Maps right now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, what else What else you got around there? Oh, the, the scenery in this area is absolutely outstanding. That really yeah. is. It's, it's a, such a beautiful coastline uh -huh. and uh, lots of character about it. Really. Any castles or fortresses? There are, yeah. Uh -huh. Two or three in the area. Three? Yeah. Two, two or three. We've got Castle Rising. Uh-huh. We've got uh, Castle Acre. Uh-huh. And, and I can't remember the name of the other one in that awful. How old are they about? Oh, blimey. They've gone back in the 12th century or something like that. <laughs> cool. 13th century. Oh, I love that kind of stuff, though. I, I like yeah. that. Yeah. It's yeah. a beautiful area to live. How long have you lived there? Um, well, in this particular area for about 32 years, but I come from mid-Norfolk, near Norwich. Okay. Have you heard of Norwich? Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to England and Ireland two, <laughs> Ireland twice and England. I've been to Bristol. I've been to London I, and uh, two or three times. So I'm not, uh, I don't know that much about it. Sorry. Oh, well, it, it is a lovely area and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Nice, nice. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, after 20 years, they get tired and got to move out. Yeah, no, there's no moving for me. <laughs> okay. I, I met my wife. She was uh, born and bred in this village. Okay. And I said to her, we'll get a little house in the town further up, you know, along the road and that. And she said, oh, no. 
I'm not mm. moving away from Heacham. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, well, that, well, now you're bringing up all the questions I want to ask you. So yeah. uh, skipping around meeting your wife, but before you met your wife, you had some other things to overcome, right? You're, uh, tell us about your condition. Um, well, I was born... I was born with a condition known as a vascular anomaly and that affects the right hand side of my face, my eye, my head and in my mouth and um, it, it's a mass of veins uh, which uh, can be quite dangerous if, if I did something detrimental to them, you know, uh, susceptible to hemorrhaging. Oh. Yeah, so I, I have to be very careful. Uh, do you have to wear something? To... No, no, I, I do. Um, I, I have a, um, what they call a dressing plate for my mouth. Um, if, if I happen to have a bleed, oh. I could put that into my mouth and hopefully that might help to stop the bleed a little bit. But I think once that started, it would be quite a job to stop. Huh. It's, um, it's very extensive. I've, I've had... Uh, lots of surgery and all sorts, but they can't really do anything for me. When uh, was your last surgery? Uh, 2008. Huh. But I've had uh, 20 surgeries over the oh. years. Yeah. yeah. But so it's a pretty serious condition. Yeah, you get to a stage, Eric, when you think well, enough is enough, you know. Um, I, huh. I got to that stage and I, I just don't want them all. And then what? Um, well, I just carry on as best I can, and I'm, I'm fine, I'm all right. Uh -huh. I just have to be careful what I'm doing, that's all. Okay. Yeah. But it, it's a great life, you know. I've, I've made a great life for myself, really. I'm, I'm really chuffed with the way my little life has gone. But there, you had some challenges in the beginning. It wasn't always that great, was it? No, no. When I was, when I was younger, well... I didn't notice it so much when I was younger. When I was a little lad growing up, I, I was actually born um, on the 23rd of March, 1954, in a little farmstead um, called Watering Farm. Uh -huh. and, uh, th that place was about three miles down an old dirt track road. Cool. I like dirt track roads. <laughs> it, you could say it was uh, out the back and beyond. It was that remote, you know, <laughs> so far mm -hmm. away from anywhere. Um, and of course, um, my mother was expecting me, and uh, they had to call the midwife in, and she had to bike uh, three miles down this old dirt track road. But previous to that, she had to do four miles from where she lived, so she had to bike seven miles to get dedication. That's cool. Yeah, and um, when she got there, she was suffering from this is an old word. I don't even understand what a bilious of attack have you ever heard of that word before? no no what is it a bad stomach or something like that you know uh-huh like from bile or what yeah so apparently um she she wasn't very good so she went up to the room to see where my mother was and uh my my family who were there at the time you know waiting for me to be born they just let her get on with what they usually do a midwife <laughs> does you know and <laughs> never heard anything from her there was no noises coming from the room where my mother was in or anything. So one of the family members went up and knocked on the door and my mother called called them in and there lay the old midwife on the bed beside my mother fast asleep <laughs> snoring. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. 
So it was a do-it-yourself birth. <laughs> yeah, all right. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and you had, so when you were a kid, that must have been a really uh, challenging. Uh, the kid, other kids probably bullied you and taunted you about your face, huh? They, they did, but in, in the early years, because we moved from out of that old farmhouse where we were living, we moved to the village, uh-huh. the nearby village, and... Um, I was brought up in that village, and everybody knew me, so I was fine, you know, ah. he saw me as anything different. They mm. all knew me, we all grew up together, so I was I was the same as everybody else, you know. Oh, yeah. It was when I turned into my teen years, when I went to um, the high school, uh, I started noticing people taking notice of me and staring and doing stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, which was yeah. quite intimidating, really. Yeah. I believe it, especially at that age yeah. when, you know, your character, strength or integrity isn't built up yet. Maybe not. No, it, it, was, it was not very easy, I'll tell you. Teenage years are not very good anyway, are they? You know, teenage yeah. years are a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but when you've got something a little bit different from everybody else, you know, it's, it's not too easy. Uh, you mentioned earlier you... you uh when you were down and didn't want to go on how how bad was it well i just you know i used to hide away you know i wouldn't yeah. i wouldn't go out or do anything like that you know in, in those teenage years it was it was awful that was the years that were really bad so how did you get over it how did you pull yourself back up well, um i think over time i just had to learn that well my parents actually my parents they uh they went into the public house trade, you know, public houses, you know, for uh, beer, sh- you know, beer shops, you know. Uh, yeah, explain a little bit. <laughs> they are a pub. A ah. pub. Okay. <laughs> they, they, um, they went into the pub trade. And um, uh-huh. I, cause I had to start meeting people a little bit, you know, because that mm. was uh, reliant on different people coming out of the pub to earn their money. Uh-huh. We then started meeting a few people, and that sort of brought me out a little bit. But I always huh. found it difficult with girls. That was that was the roughest part, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. So, how do people usually react when they see you for the uh, first time? Uh, you know, I I get all sorts of reactions, really, Eric. Um, huh. I'll get people who who out, outwardly say things, you know, and it's not nice, you know. I had one chap once said to me, he said. Uh, whatever did the other chap look like? Me, <laughs> I, yeah. I had been in a boxing ring or something like yeah. that. I thought, what a nice thing to say. Uh, <laughs> Some people just don't think they have no no tact, you know. Yeah, that's well, yeah, that's. I guess that's one of the maybe one of the more mild ones you've heard, yeah. huh? Yeah, but then you get people who you I can sense when a person is having difficulty sort of uh, looking at me or talking yeah. to me. I can say, I've learned to sense that now, you know, and I try my best to reassure them um, by just talking and, you know, I'm, I'm quite out with God these days and I'll, I'll try and reassure them if I can, you know, that I am human. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I do speak and I can hold a conversation. <laughs> so does, do you think that this has made you more, what do you call it, empathic? Um, or mind reading? No, not mind reading, yeah, but more uh, um, empathic I to others. You know, I, I can understand what you mean. I, I think you have a deeper sense of uh, 
people's reactions to you hmm. and the way they look at you, you know. Yeah. I do sense things. Hmm. And, um, you know, I, I get over it anyway, Eric. It's not hmm. worth worrying about. You know, it, I, I just get over it. It's a great life, mate. Don't you, if you get hang-ups on stuff like that, you know, you'd, you'd never get on. Yeah, but I, I want to know where your your positive spirit comes from because a lot of people aren't that positive. I know a lot of negative people. I try not to hang out with them. And you know everybody's got a story. Yeah. Uh, who knows? These people don't look like they're handicapped. Who knows what happened? But I know a lot of very negative people. And uh, I, I people tell me that I'm positive. But uh, yeah. where does it come from? How do you? How did you become so positive? <laughs> I think that's... Um you know the way I was brought up. You think? You yeah, know, okay. The way I was brought up. I was brought yeah. up to be fairly outgoing. You know, especially when mm -hmm. the parents were in business. You know, I mm -hmm. had to. I had to be a little bit more forward. I think. Did you ever get in fights because no. of your because of your? Well, yeah, my I had some very very good friends. You know, and mm -hmm. if anybody ever said anything, you know, mm -hmm. they would be there for me. But. Oh, that's Never, nice. Nobody ever had to fight for me, you know. They didn't have to fight for me. I, oh, I it nice. never got to that stage, but it, it got very awkward sometimes, you know, when people have been. I think the worst thing was um, when we moved from a village to a town, and um, my my young brother. I've got a younger brother by seven years. Mm -hmm. I'd I'd finished school. And um, my parents, because they were in the trade, in the business, they couldn't take him or bring him back from school. And I used to have to take him and pick him up from school, walk up and, and meet him. And the, the mm. comments that I used to get when I, when I went up to the school when the kids came out was awful. Huh. I used to walk around with dark glasses or have the hand over the eye, you know, just to try and hide the, my features, you know. Well, the dark glasses... Kind of like a secret agent, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I reckon so. <laughs> nah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but you know, it, it is is a part of my life that I I had to. It was a sharp learning curve. You know, you had to learn that otherwise you'd get stuck and you wouldn't move on. You, you know, I yeah. I wanted to be the same as everybody else. Whatever. You know, my my life is um. You know, my life has been great. Whatever. You know. I had some hiccups in my in my lifetime, but oh, you forget those things. You you forget the worst things. I remember all the good things. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. You've been involved in a lot of charity work for people. I have. Yes. It's um, called changing faces, or how did this come about? It is. Yeah. Um, I actually wrote to the charity asking if there was anything I could do to help. Um, you know, obviously I was quite positive and I wanted to give some of my positivity to others if I could yeah and, um, they uh, they wrote back to me and asked me what could I do and I said well I don't really know what <laughs> you like me to do and yeah. um, they put me in a thing called an exchanger scheme whereby if somebody got a similar condition to that of mine they could talk to you just to get some reassurance and hopefully to give them a little bit of encouragement you know yeah was involved in that but then i progressed on from that and i started doing media work um they, what they, kind of media work well magazines and books and um interviews on the television and radio locally and nationally 
Ah. And in, um, in 2003, I was invited, uh, or there was there were several people asked if they'd like to be part of a poster campaign, a major breakthrough poster campaign in mm-hmm. London. And I said, yeah, I'd love to be part of that. And there was actually four people involved in this, four people who were facially different involved in it. And I had all the photos done in London by a professional photographer. Um, and then uh, these posters were all made up and they were plastered all throughout the London tube station and huh. on overground, you know, the bus, London yeah. transport buses. Yeah. Um, and it was quite strange. I, I, my, uh, my daughter had uh, been around for about four or five years when that happened. <laughs> and I thought, right, well, we'll go to London and see if I can see any of my pictures in the London Underground. And didn't. So then your daughter saw your picture all over the place, huh? <laughs> yeah. We, cool. we went to London armed with a camera just in case. <laughs> nice. We went through all the different tube stations and mine wasn't on there. And I thought, oh, no, come all this way, uh, yeah, 100 miles to have a look, see my picture hanging <laughs> up in the tube station. <laughs> and it wasn't there, but we got to Leicester Square. Then all of a sudden, there I was. Ah, oh, very good. And um, yeah. we piled out of, the, uh, out of the tube. And I went, I said to Joanne, the wife, take a picture of me and Lindsay, that's my daughter, um, beside the poster. And as I'd said that, this lady who stood next to us, she said, oh, would you like me to do that for you? Yeah. And I said, oh, yes, please. So my wife stood there as well. So there was all three of us standing there beside my big poster (laughs) down at Piccadilly Station. And she (laughs) looked and she said, it's you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She got a a minor shock, huh? Yes, she did. Cool. But it was it was a lovely feeling that was Eric. Yeah. such a yeah. great feeling you know to be involved in something as brilliant as that it was a a real groundbreaking um event in you know in this country i think it's the uh-huh. first time that anything like that had ever been done really yeah 2007 hmm well oh, that's 2003 that was 2003 well it's time enough huh that's uh and uh, too bad you couldn't, uh, if you were writing your book at that time, you could have uh, used it for promotion for your book, huh? Yeah, true, there was that, but never mind, that didn't happen, and that was it. I just had to carry on as best I could with yeah. my book. Yeah, but I, I've been involved in all sorts of things with the charity as well, you know, um, other posters, and, oh, it's, it's unbelievable what I've done. I've met some famous people in the time, and... Mm-hmm. It's been wonderful. It really has given me a great inspiration, you know, to be involved with it. It's been really wonderful. Are they, is the charity still active? Uh, they are still active. Um, the CEO has just retired. Um, mm-hmm. There's a new lady, and I, I, I've taken the back seat a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, this last few months, you know. Okay. Don't do as much as I used to. But um, it, it was a, a wonderful thing to be part of that, yeah. you know. I don't need... Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Go ahead. I actually used to go out and do talks to for groups like uh-huh. that. Um, over here they call them women's institutes, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. um, I can't think of the men's groups, um, uh, the Lions, I think they call them, and there's uh, uh, another group, the Round Table, and all those sorts of things. I used to get asked if I could do talks which I did start to do. I found it was a friend who actually got me 
involved in that. I, she said, have you ever thought about doing talks? And I said, well, no, you'd never get me doing anything like that. She said, well, why don't you ever think about it? So I had a little thing and I said to my wife, eh, you'll never guess what somebody said. Would I go do a talk for a group? And she said, well, why don't you? So anyway, I put a few words together on a sheet of paper and I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. So I got in touch with the lady who'd asked me and she said, oh, yeah, can we have a, have a meeting uh, the second Tuesday of the month or something like that? Come and give us a little talk and then we'll give you a donation for your charity. So mm-hmm. that's what I did. And I did my first talk. Well, talk about frightening the life out of me. <laughs> I was yeah. scared, I tell you. I was scared. There was only supposed to be 30 and like 300 showed up, huh? <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, yeah. I did get invite, an invite to uh, a group in uh, a place called Down the Market and they had their meetings in a town hall and I was expecting, you know, the usual 25, 30 people. And when <laughs> I got there, there was 100 people. Hmm. And I thought, nice. No, and now what am I going to do? And I thought, well, I'm here now. <laughs> I've got to do it. Yeah, I've um, it's it's strange, huh? I've also talked in Toastmasters to thirty people, yeah, all, all the time. Well, when I was active in Toastmasters, but then I went to my first speech with one hundred people, right? And why is it different? <laughs> you know, it. But it's different. I can I can attest to that. It's oh, holy cow! It's one hundred people. Oh my god! And you get nervous all over again. Yeah. It's strange, isn't it? It's it's just like talking to thirty people, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But no, those butterflies—they come anytime they want, you know. They do. They do. Yeah. yeah. And every time, I must admit, every time that I, I did these talks, you know, the people afterwards came to me and said they, they heard the most wonderful story. You know, they they'd never heard anything like it before. They were amazed at what I'd gone through and what I'd had and mm-hmm. how I'd led my life. You know. Yeah. And that was that was a lovely feeling. Yeah, it's, it's really an empowering feeling, you know, standing in front and you get people come up at the end and tell you how much they enjoyed it. Very empowering. Yeah, so that uh, is a good segue. Empowering. Yeah. Is this how you foster your indomitable spirit? <laughs> how does one foster an indomitable spirit? No, I wish I knew. <laughs> <laughs> it just came from out of nowhere, you know. Yeah. Uh, is there any more charity work coming up? Any more actions? Uh, no, I've, I've stepped back. But I did have a little mini stroke in 2011, Eric. Uh, oh. A TI, oh. They call them a TIA. Ah. I, I don't know if you've heard of that term. Yeah, I've heard of it, but I forgot what it was. Mini stroke. Yeah, it's a mini stroke. I had one of those, and um, I, I carried on for a while, and the family, they said to me, don't you think it's about time you stopped, you know? It's, hmm. You've done your bit, you know? So I, I slowed down. I didn't start slowing down. Yeah. So I'll tell you what else we used to do. We also used to open our garden here where we live. To the uh-huh. And um, I had a good following for that. Oh. We used to, uh, we used to raise, there was nothing new to raise between five and six hundred pounds in about three hours. What do you mean? With your opening your garden? In my, yeah, well, it, what we used to do, we we used to do like a bric-a-brac. Have you heard a bric-a-brac? Yeah, yeah. A bric-a-brac stall. We'd have a plant stall. We'd have coffees and teas. We'd have oh. cakes. We'd have vegetables, people selling vegetables. We'd have all sorts of things going on 
a huh. raffle, you know, raffle prizes. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and the, you know, we just raised a lot of money and we were always supported very well. And nice. We, we have, over the years, we raised thousands of pounds for the charity, you know, when we were working full time at it. That sounds like a real grassroots uh, movement there. Yeah, it was wonderful. It really was. You know, I do miss it. Hmm. I think it was right what the family said, you know, just step back and slow down, you know. Yeah, if you have a stroke, um, people in yeah. my family have had strokes, and it's pretty serious stuff. So uh, is, yeah. the problem is most people change their lifestyle after the stroke, but just for like one or two weeks, and then they go back to the same old lifestyle, you know. Well, Eric, I've always <laughs> led the life I want to lead anyway, you know. Ah. I've, been a, I've been a pretty... Uh, uh, I've always said to myself, if, if I want to do it, I'll do it. You know? Yeah, right on. Yeah. Uh, did you did you do any? Um, did your uh, condition stop you from doing anything like I don't know, judo, martial arts, or? I wasn't allowed to do sports. I'll tell you what happened oh. in the early years. Again, going back to my early schooling years, um, uh, before any anything was ever really said to me about you know not doing, being able to do things. We were playing. Um, have you heard of what they call rounders? It's a oh, yeah, yeah. a mini version of baseball, I, I expect you say, with a small bat. Okay, yeah. It's the British, you know, the old Brits, you know. Yeah. Their, their version of it, I think. And yeah. um, in those days, the school bell was, the teacher came out with a hand bell. Not <laughs> not Bi a biological bell. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Came out. We were playing this game during, um, you know, break time, and she came out and the chap who had the bat in his hand flung it over his shoulder, and who should be behind him was me, and that hit me square in my eye. Oh! This bad eye. Ow! <laughs> yeah, I remember. I I sat in the classroom and I cried and I cried. It wasn't the pain that I was. It was painful. But it wasn't the pain I was crying about. I was worried what my mum, my mum was going to say. How old were you? My, oh, I must have been about eight. Oh, Eric, that was awful. My poor. <laughs> oh dear, she still worries over me. Ah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know, when in in those days they didn't have like um, you know today in schools is all first aid and everything, isn't there? But now, you know, in those days, they, 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 there wasn't so much care about things like that. And I remember sitting in the classroom and I didn't see my mother until we finished, you know, school finished. Okay. And when she saw me, oh dear, that was straight <laughs> up the surgery, up to the hospital, up to the doctors. And um, I, I actually, it had done quite a lot of damage to my bone structure and my eye. Just from that one hit from the bat, huh? My, my eye never looked as bad as it does now. My, oh. my, if you see a picture of me when I was a youngster, you could hardly notice it, you know. But after that accident, that really that really made a terrible impact on my oh. facial features, you know. Too but bad. I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> well... They say it's better to get hit in the face than in the teeth because teeth are so expensive, right? Uh, right yeah. But in your case, it wasn't, huh? <laughs> uh, no. Oh, terrible. That's too bad. And then, as you said, you know, I, I wouldn't, they, they banned me from playing any sport. I wasn't allowed to play sport or anything, you know. Yeah. Uh, I missed out on all that. 
Mm. Can you ride a bike? I can ride a bike, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, are you allowed to ride a bike? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I've okay. done everything else, Eric. Okay. <laughs> I've not stopped, you know. I've, I've tried to do everything that I could possibly do, you know. Yeah. Except for writing a book, right? When did you start thinking about writing a book? Well, it, it was really after, you know, being involved with this charity work. And, uh -huh. like, and my daughter really you know, sort of made me feel that I wanted to write something because I wanted something for her to look back on and say, well, look, that, that was my dad, you know. It's something for her to to look back and show her friends and new acquaintances and that and for her to say, well, my dad wrote this, you know. And that, I think that must that must be good for to be able to do that, you know. And I yeah. want to make sure that was out there. So how did you go on about writing it? Did you just sit down, or what? What happened? So what What happened um, was I all these memories, all these wonderful memories throughout my life. Um, I never actually wrote say a page about anything. I just wrote heading headings on a or my, I used to call them jottings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A piece of paper with a a heading, you know, a little line on it of a memory. And I, I had all these bits of paper accumulated, all these bits and pieces of paper everywhere. And I, every time I, I looked at them, I thought, I can expand on that. I can expand on that heading, you know, on that memory. Hmm. And that's how, how my book sort of like started out. I, I expanded on a heading. Interesting. Yeah. And it's surprising how easy that, that came to me. That was quite easy to come to me that way. That's interesting. That sounds like um, this thing called the snowflake method. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. No. It's kind of like what you did. You know, you uh, you make an outline, right? And then yeah, you make headings for each chapter, and then and then you keep expanding on them, and then you make subheadings, and then you just keep going. And of course, there's some more structure than that with your characters and your storyline. Yeah. But basically, basically what you did, you made the headlines and then you expanded on them. So but, uh, interesting. Told me how to do that, you know. It just, yeah. It was uh, self-taught. That was really. So tell us about your book. What's it about? Oh, it's, it's all about my brilliant little life I've had. You know, I, uh. <laughs> it starts off about my family history. Really, I'm talking yeah. about my uh, my ancestors and who they were and what they did. Uh, mm -hmm. And then it goes on to my, my family and my friends and brothers and sisters, well, not sisters, brothers and other people, you know, who've come into my life in the years that I've been going. And, and obviously the charity work has been a major part of that. And the book was just formed. It just happened. It just mm. happened. Mm. And, um, each chapter, you know, even uh, writing the title for the chapters, um, that just came so easy. The, hmm. you know, with all these separate things that I'd put into this book, the the, the actual chapters, you know, what they were called, the chapter, it, it was so easy. It just came so easy. Just flowed, flowed right out of you, huh? Yeah, really flowed. Nice. I mean, there's no, no great big book, you know. but hmm. How many pages is it? 122 pages. What oh. my life in a nutshell. Well, that's a decent size. What is that? 50,000 words? Yeah, something must be something like that, you know. Okay. But yeah, that was that was brilliant, you know, and it, it really made me feel great, you know, to have it written down at last. And uh, this book, uh, you're 
positive face of disfigurement. It's the only one right now, or do you have a series? No, no, that's the only one I have uh, okay. uh, about, about my life and that. But I have done other books besides. I've, uh, I've been uh, doing some books. I'm very interested in family history and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, because, you know, in England, our churches, we have some wonderful old buildings, you know, the churches and that, hundreds of years old. Mm -hmm. Gravestones are there to go with them, you know, and a lot of these gravestones are um, disintegrating with the weather. You know, they're being weathered by the rain and yeah. and that. And it's getting where you can't read some of them. So I had this in my mind that I wanted to transcribe the gravestones <laughs> so i managed to write there's 10 books uh 10 sorry 10 chapters in a book and i've done 10 books wow just about gravestones gravestones just inscriptions but i hope that might sound silly to everybody but it was just something i felt i had to do you know because yeah. they're just disappearing and i i've got um i've got uh, a picture bank on my computer of all the gravestones that I've recorded <laughs> in case somebody sort of turned around and said, look, uh, you've been recording these, you know, have you got such and such a person? And I can look back through my records and say, oh, yeah, I've got that person. If you want, I'll send you a photo. So I've got photos of all these gravestones. But during the course of doing this uh, gravestone research, there's some wonderful social history as well that comes out of it. It is really wonderful. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. They, um, it's pretty crazy. Uh, for some reason, I was uh, in Google, and I was looking up my family names, and I saw my brother's gravestone. Right. Yeah, but he isn't dead yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a website out there where they're going and taking pictures of all the gravestones and they're cross-referencing them to the people in the phone book. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. this is a, a, a really good tale of big data, right, where it can be abused. So, for example, uh, shouldn't they have to get permission to do that? But, okay, the telephone book is public. That don't sound very good, does it? Uh, no, I mean, especially when I'm looking and I see my uh, my brother's gravestone and I know it's his because it's next to his wife's gravestone. So I know that has to be my brother, right? And so I called up home and no, he's still alive. He's still alive. You know, so, oh, thank God for that one. Jesus Christ. I mean, you're just going around Internet and yeah, it's, it's so anyways. Yeah, I'll tell you something else. You know, talking about social history regarding research and all this, down uh, along our coastline, there's obviously um, a lot of ships pass through in this area, you know, and it goes back a long, long way, you know, back to the, um, you know, earliest times of when they started using the ships going from place to place. Yeah. I found one, one gravestone relating to um, a woman and two children. And uh, it said she drowned on this particular ship, and that was called the Earl of Weems. Uh-huh. I thought, well, that Weems is a place in Scotland, so they got the name of the ship from Scotland, you know, somehow or other. But this ship was coming from London up north to uh, Northumberland or somewhere like that, further up north, and it foundered off our... 
coastline at a place called Brancaster. And um, as I was going around the churchyard, I found another gravestone relating to another woman with another child. So that was two women with five with four children. Yeah, you know, with three. Sorry, two, three, three children. There was one in one and three and two in the other. And it's relating to this Earl of Wayne ship again. Hmm. So I looked on the internet, and there's mention of this ship that founded off our coastline further round from where we live. And apparently the captain and the crew got off and left all these women and children on this ship to sink. And they wow. all the women and children that the captain and his crew got off. Wow. Whatever happened to the captain going down with the ship? Oh, no. <laughs> well, obviously, that didn't work in those days, did it? How long ago was this? Oh, this is 1833, I think that was. Um, what did they ever catch the captain and the crew? The captain, well, they, he was bought before the judges and that, but um, did they hang him? Yeah, no, no, I don't think so. The uh, Lord of the Manor, where this actual boat came down, he had the rights to anything that was uh, anything that floundered, founded off of the coast. Hmm. So he had all the belongings, or all these people was able to have all. I think that's terrible. Yeah, long as of these people who suffered, you know, died or drowned on these on this boat. Yeah, so that was that's a big myth about the captain going down with his ship, huh? Yeah, definitely in that that day and age. And and these tombstones are in your book. They're, they're in the book, yeah. But so there's also a lot of um, you see, you do find a lot of mariners uh, in the graveyards as well in this area. Mm. You know, uh, obviously, there's a big shipping area. So that that's very very interesting, really. Well, I find it interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, it is sad but interesting. Is, so yeah. with your with this book, with your gravestone book, yeah. What you would do is use that tool KD Spy. Yeah. Or the tool KDP Rocket, and then you would see what's better, tombstones or gravestones. Actually, uh, with KDP it's Rocket, you could. American, isn't it? What? Tombstones is more of an American. Uh, we we call them gravestones over here in the UK. Yeah. But in America, they're called tombstones, I believe. Well, so that's the point. So what you do yeah. is you go you go to the store that you're publishing in. Yeah. And let's say you were using Katie Spy, then you would look it up, and then you would see how much, uh, how well the books are doing in that category. Yeah. And then, uh, this is why I like KDP Rocket actually a little bit better. Oh, you, yeah. You could then see which words are getting more hits, tombstone or gravestone. Right. And then you would, um, first of all, you would decide if you actually want to put your time into that category, making books for that category. Yeah. And then second, you would change your title accordingly, Tombstones of Norfolk or Gravestones of Norfolk, you know? So yeah. that's one example how to use the tool. Yeah. And uh, so we were talking about your book earlier. It's number 45. In, yeah. In the print book is number 45 in, in Young Adult Social Issues Bullying. That's pretty good. Yeah, I, I feel quite chuffed about that. Though. <laughs> the sales yeah. better. <laughs> right. So I was looking at your sales page. Yeah. And uh, the ebooks, yeah, not as good as the print book yeah. six twenty five, uh, which is interesting. I have the same experience. My print books sell much better than my ebooks. Yeah. So, uh, 
Right. So what I would do uh, on your description page, I would change up the description just a little bit. I would add to it. You've got a pretty good one there. You've broken it up. Okay, it's interesting. So you can see in the Kindle edition, uh, there's one, two, three, four, five paragraphs. And in the paperback edition, oh, yes. it's... it's uh, it's, it's all in one block, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and that's the funny thing. Create space uh, formats are different. Even if you put the same exact text, the create space side will format it different. It's it's pretty annoying, isn't it? Oh, uh, dear. So it's not my fault then. I obviously, I'll put, put it no. in... Uh, what no, if, it? You, if you copied and pasted the code, the HTML code, from your, your Kindle side... Right. the ebook side and put it into the create space side for your print book right. it sh it should most yeah it should look the same except except for like um well here you don't have any different paragraphs so that should have come through usually what it messes up is the bold and the headings and stuff yeah, and the spaces yeah. So, but but uh, let's talk about the ebook side first. We can use that because the create space description is all mushed together. So, uh, on the ebook side, what we can do is we need to add a strong call to action at the end. So, um, and then I would make like like one or two lines bold at the beginning of each paragraph, or at least one or two paragraphs. So. For example, I would say, I would say this is a story of of human courage. Yeah, to tap into the emotion, and and then uh, this is a story of human courage and indomitable spirit and 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 uh, something about how David has met the challenges and rose up to the challenges and conquered them all of this emotional stuff right? right and then at the end at the very bottom you know uh okay the standard one is scroll up uh, and grab a copy today so i'm going to write a, a new a description with yours because you have the it's it, yours is really good but what yours misses is the standard things like a call to action right. uh, and some bold bold uh, sentences to really hook the reader. So you have to start with the hook. And it's just like your book. You have to start with the hook. Yeah. And your description on your Amazon page has to start with a hook too. you got to hook your reader somehow, right? Right. Okay. And, and, uh, and then you have to have that strong call to action. So the two main hooks are the really, mm, the if you don't know anything else, you just use a question. Can he rise to the challenge you know so those can be pretty boring but you can make you can if you get the right question going it can be very good too because yeah. it leaves them open and then the emotional stuff you know this is a human story of courage and etc etc right. so uh, there are two very good books out there one by Brian Cohen called The Sizzling Synopsis and then another one by Brian Meeks How to master amazon ads oh, i heard you talking about this in your interview with uh yes uh, harold style was it with uh, harold that was harold. Yeah, yeah yes yes, yes. Yeah. and both of those books are very good of course the one about the sizzling synopsis is a little bit better he really gets into it so um 
So I'm going to write you a new description. That would be good. Thank you. Right. And I'll send you the code. You just have to copy and paste oh, it into your... Yeah. <laughs> I'm not that pretty than anything like that. Yeah. Well, I've got those two books. So I'm going to look up those books and, and, and find something really good for you. Because, oh, uh, you. you know, you you got to hook your reader. So you. Yeah. I don't know your audience that well, but I can still... Uh, we can That's still good. spruce up your description a bit. That and then... Good. Do you have access to Amazon Ads, the AMS platform? I can, but I've been frightened of it. Okay, so what I want you to do is sign up for it and let me know when you're done. And then what we can do is I will run your Amazon, your first Amazon Ads, and um, either you give me access or we can do it. Um, what I have uh, that remote control thing. It's called Chrome desktop or Chrome remote desktop. If you have a Chrome browser, then right. you can give me access and I don't need to know any of your passwords or nothing. And then you can right. see exactly what I'm doing. And uh, that's what I wanted to do in this session, actually. But well, computer problems, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so two things. I, 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 no, one thing. I want you to go get access to the Amazon AMS platform the yeah. ads platform and then two things let me know when you're done okay okay and then uh, i'm going to send you the uh, the updated description because this is the abc's you got to get a good cover to catch their eye when they when the people go to your your book page your sales page in amazon the cover is the most important and some people argue the description is just as important yeah. so okay so one and one A or one and number two, whatever. They're both yeah. super important. If you don't get the description right, you don't hook them, no. then, then they're not going to hit the button, you know. So the cover gets their eye and then the description kind of pushes them to that button, right? Yeah. Can, can I ask you, um, my cover on that particular yeah. book, My Positive Face and Disfigurement, Right. What do you think of that as a cover, or do you not think it's... Well, I think it looks good. For number one, you, you can see the title no matter how small it is. So this is kind of like rule number one. Make sure that the people can read the title even when it's really small in the internet, right? So that's yeah. very good. Uh, I think it's good looking, but, you know, really, don't guess, test. Uh, there's two ways, the free way and the expensive way. Well, it doesn't have to be expensive. You do Facebook ads and you, then you run Facebook ads and just you don't change anything in the ads except your covers. So you have ad A with one cover and ad B with the other, right? It's called A-B testing. And then you'll find out which cover is better. And this is uh, unadulterated, unbiased uh, opinions because the people don't know you. They're, they're just looking at your ad in Facebook. And then you see which cover gets more clicks and maybe even more sales. Yeah. So um, uh, the cover looks good. I, uh, if anything I told you to do to the cover right now would just be my taste, yeah. right? Right. So, can I, can I just say initially when I bought that book out, I did have another cover. Ah. I, I did have another cover. Which oh, let me tell you about the freeway. Now you put, you go to Pat Flynn's uh, first ebook. It's a Facebook group. I'll give you a link to it. You got to ask to be a uh, member. It's a group, not a page. And then you put both covers in there, and you ask the people what they think. Right. Okay. okay. 
the problem with that is um, that sometimes you can sway them or they can sway you and it's opinions. All what right. you really want is sales. The sales will tell you or clicks which, yeah. which covers better, right? That's yeah. the money talks, right? And uh, uh, so um, the A-B testing is more reliable, more conclusive. But if you don't want to do Facebook advertising, then you go to the forums and you go uh, connect with your people. And uh, this is just one forum. It has really taken off. And it's really okay to do this. This is what everybody's doing. It's, it's, it is uh, morphed into a forum. Uh, Pat's first ebook Facebook page has morphed into a forum for new authors to test their covers and everything, titles, and talk to each other and get help. So, so it's really awesome. It's it didn't start out like that, and now it's it has a life of its own. It's really cool. So it's really okay to go put your covers in there and ask people what they think. And then what you do is you have to reply to each and every one of them, and then tell them when your book is on Amazon, and maybe even get them on your email list. Whatever you know, you ask them. You know, you don't sell to them. You just ask them what they think about the book, and then you let them know when and where it is. And you, you start talking to your audience, you know? Right. Um, so, I'll tell you what I, what I have been really worried about. You know this uh, new EU law where you uh, collect in people's information? Yeah, don't worry about that. You know when you have to worry well, about that? I've shut everything down because I was worried that I'd fall foul of... No, 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 no. Let me tell you about that. See, I, I also do Facebook advertising. And if uh, it's a perfect case of just read the directions right when all else fails read the directions or instructions uh, it only uh, the the what do you call it this data gathering has to do with retargeting if you retarget people with any kind of ads then you have to change your sign up forms to disclaim that or or show that and you you might even have to put an extra checkbox that says yes I will allow you to use my data for retargeting so if you do not retarget people in ad platforms like Facebook or ad AdWords and AdSense with Google you this, this is kind of advanced marketing if you do not do any retargeting you don't need to worry about it your normal sign up form it says get my free book and uh, and with your email name and email and then that that's okay because you're not retargeting if you're an advanced marketer and you're retargeting then you better get all of those disclaimers and extra check boxes and extra permission that also says at the bottom of your newsletter uh, for example at the bottom of your newsletter you also have to have a link now to show them what information you have collected from them so uh, so instead of the unsubscribe link at the bottom, you have to have an unsubscribe link and also a link that says, uh, see my information, something like that, right? Yeah. Um, now, I'm not sure if you have to do that only if you're retargeting. You might have to do that. Uh, we'll have to check up on that. But that's yeah. the other thing. So on your sign-up forms... If you are an advanced marketer retargeting people, you must show that extra checkbox for permission and the fact that you are using their data to retarget. And then in your newsletters, in your email newsletters, you have to have an extra link by the unsubscribe link to show my data. Oh. So 
if you're not retargeting, you're really okay. You don't. Uh, I I have been worried about that, and I shut I shut all these, you know, email things down because that. No 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 no. You're allowed to collect emails, but if you retarget people, you gotta go the extra mile and all of that legal mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Okay. So and if you look, um, even most of the most of the email services are doing this GDPR compliance already. So if you look, you might have to look at your email service and see the footer that they are putting in your email. See if they're putting an unsubscribe link and another link. Right. right? It yeah. should be automatic. It should, uh, all of the good services are doing this automatically. So, but, but it, you, like I said, you should check, right? You have to check. Right. And, and I have to check because I'm not sure if you need that extra link if you are not retargeting. So it's all, retargeting is the keyword here, advanced marketing. And so, yeah. That's, that's good news, you know. No, yeah, you keep your email list going there, my friend. You, you keep them, sign up forms, you, you keep them all going. <laughs> I can offer a free book if I want then. And, yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah, well, that's good. I, I might well look into that soon. Um, yeah. I, I've, I've had a lot on the plate this last um, couple of weeks. We, we lost a, a member of our family, so um, oh. it's the big day tomorrow, the funeral tomorrow, so oh. bodies are a little bit down at the moment. You know. Sorry about that. My condolences there. It's, it's one of those things we're all, uh, we all have to face, don't we? You know, um, unfortunately, there's nothing sure in life than that. You know, <laughs> We're all going to go one day, and that's not in a negative. I'm not saying that in a negative sense. No, it's okay. You know, it's, it's strange. It, it, it's not, not meant yeah yeah my uh who was very in actual fact he was my godfather you know so ah. a very special it was the farmhouse where i was born it was my uncle who took my mother and father in my uncle hmm. and my aunt and that was where i was born on their farm so very special you know to me yeah Oh, that's sad. Yeah, we yeah. all got to go sometime, huh? That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's terrible. Never mind. Right <laughs> aside, but... Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because just last Friday my aunt died. Yeah. She was eighty something, and uh, I had the last telephone conversation with her, and I asked her if she would proofread my book. <laughs> and uh, she was laughing, and she was so bright, and. Uh, all there, you know, just yeah. like like there was nothing wrong with her. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, no. Uh, well, what a way to remember her by. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was I was testing her on her deathbed. What a what a jerk, huh? Somebody should kick me in the butt, man. Oh well. Can I just tell you something? I I did do another little book, Eric. I did um a little picture book for children. Ah. I don't know whether you saw that on Amazon as well. Uh, um, you'll have to send me a link. Yeah, it, it's on my author page, you know, with all the... Uh, I'll, ask, I'll send that through to you. Yeah. But um, that, that never really took off, you know. But I, it was pictures that I took around the coast when I'd been riding out, you know, taking mm -hmm. pictures, and I'd done a, like, a little written bit underneath saying, you know, a, a word for the yeah. person of the child to read and a story about that, you know, about that picture, you know. Children's but, books can be very profitable. It's my favorite niche. Yeah. Do you say niche or niche? Niche, we say. Niche. 
the good old British. And <laughs> well, no, they keep, they keep. I always get it wrong. Whoever I'm with will tell me the other one. You know, if I say niche, then they'll tell me niche. If I say niche, they'll tell me niche. I hate it. <laughs> so yeah, it, but children's books, very that that's my most profitable niche. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so send me a link to that book, and we can work on that one too. Uh, well, that, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering what else I got there. Oh yeah, I'm I'm thinking about um, going forward with another children's book, a story book. Okay, but before you go forward, you do some validation with your KD Spy tool, and you look at the categories that you want to put it in, right? Okay, yeah. And yeah. choose a profitable category. Yeah. And then you look at the bottom of the category, see which the number 20 book, what's that? And KD Spy shows you that automatically, right? Okay, yeah. And so you want a, a book that's the bottom... 20 book you want something with a very high number like rank 10,000 or above you know so if you go to the more competitive categories where you have a book at like 200 the top book of the category is 200 and the bottom book at the bottom of the page number 20 is like like 1,000 that is a very competitive category I would choose a different one yeah so you go to each category in Amazon, and then you hit the KD Spy button, and it shows you right there the top book and the bottom book. And then you get the green lights, too. So you yeah. make it really simple. You want all green lights, but, you know, don't worry about yellow lights. Uh, you can rank. You can make it in, in yellow categories, too. Right. Uh, so do some research first to think of where would you put your book in Amazon? Yeah. What do the other books look like? What can you do different to make your book cover stand out on the page once you've decided a category that you want to go to, put your book, and then maybe you even should adjust your title according to your research, you know, and uh, you don't have KDP Rocket, do you? I do. Ah, okay. Yeah, I, I, I bought that and KD Spy to get, well, not together, but, you know, we soon... <laughs> As soon as I bought one, I thought, well, I'll have the other one. <laughs> yeah, they're not expensive, and they're definitely worth it. So what you do is, number one, you go to KDP Rocket, and you put your main, even if, maybe your title is, is your main keywords, right? Yeah. A and try your title or the main keywords, what your book is about, like two words. Put in two words. Okay. And then see what KDP Rocket brings up, and then see... Uh, what, how many Google searches and Amazon searches there are for each keyword. And of course, you want the ones with the most searches. And then you also look at the competition, the competition uh, row or column. And you, so you want high search volume in Amazon and low competition. So that's the basics, right? Right, okay. Now, in KDP Rocket, you also have the category button. You hit the category button. I think it's called Find My Categories. Um, uh, I don't have it up right now. Yeah. And that will help you also find uh, categories. So, th those are the first steps. And do that before you title your book and write your book and make the cover. Right. So, so, you go, you do... Number one, KDP Rocket, and then number two, uh, go to your target categories in Amazon, and then uh, what do you call it? Uh, get tighter with you know, go more granular with KD Spy, and and get a feel for that category. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then uh, if you want to get really advanced, then you start uh, doing A-B tests with Facebook ads to your mock-up covers. But let's not do that yet, okay? <laughs> uh, is that expensive? That's the thing, you know. I mean, I, I'm limited to what I can. Well, let's put it like this. Let's put it like this. You can A-B test your covers and you send them to a free book or the first chapter of the book for free. And as long as you're getting sign-ups right may you you haven't published the book yet you're validating your book yeah. and you're starting with your cover you're you're going to get the cover right and the title right and if you do this you will definitely sell more books in amazon after you're done testing with facebook so the point is you're going to spend 30 to let's say you say i want to spend 30 to 50 dollars but you're not wasting your money because you're getting email subscribers and you're building your audience. So, uh, of course, there's a fine art to this. You don't want to pay more than $1 per subscriber, right? That in America, the clicks are more expensive than in England. So, in America, if you're getting $1 per subscriber, that is a very good rate, right? Because your clicks can go up anywhere from 20, 30, 40, 50 cents per click, right? So anyways, the, the point is, uh, I'm getting too deep right now. The point is, uh, you, do your, you can do Facebook ads, do your A-B tests, and you're gathering, you're building your audience at the same time. So you're not wasting your money where if you did Amazon ads or Google ads or something, just going for the sell with an untested book, that is wasting money because you did not test, you did not validate your book or anything. And so then you're... you're you're wasting money. So you have to say to yourself, okay, I'm, I'm testing this book right now. And it's just like a book promotion where I go to Book Zio or Book Bucks, Buck Books and I pay $30 for a promotion and maybe get some sales. It's the same thing here, but it's better because you're getting subscribers. So it's not like you're throwing away money not knowing what's going on. When you do a promotion, uh, a paid advertising promotion for an untested book, you're, you don't really know what's going on. Yeah. But when you're doing A-B tests, you're getting hard data and saying, okay, that one's better than that one. And then you're getting subscribers that are going to tell you right away if it's what they, you know, what's good or not, or what they read, you know? Right, okay. So, but then you have to have a Facebook ads account and uh, let's do the Amazon ads first. It's the easiest way to learn paid advertising. Right, okay. And, okay, so you cannot A-B test your covers, but you can A-B test your description and, and your Amazon page and stuff like that. Yeah. And you win a very valuable data because when your ads are done running, you will see which keywords worked the best and sold your book. And then afterwards... You put those keywords in your KDP dashboard for your book itself. You know, when you publish your book, you yeah. can choose seven keywords? Yeah. Right. So when you run an Amazon ad, you will know exactly which keywords sell your book. So this is the golden nuggets that paid advertising can bring you. You have hard data. When you sell the books, you see which keywords sold those books. And then you use them in your title or in your KDP dashboard for the keywords. Yeah. So uh, it's really, it's a win-win situation. You, you know, uh, that's why I always um, uh, 
recommend Amazon ads because newbies are very afraid of wasting money. But you, it, it's it's very hard to waste money with Amazon ads because they're so slow. And all of the big guns are always complaining, oh, they won't use my budget, you know, because they really want to, they really want to sell and they really want to scale up. But it's really good for newbies because they can't really do any harm. They can't waste their money because the Amazon ads are so slow. I've run ads for a thousand dollar budget and it will not, Amazon ads will not use up your budget. So you can pump it up to $1,500 and it does not affect uh, this, really the sales of your book. Uh, so with Facebook ads, don't do that. No. If you put $1,000 in there, they will spend $1,000 in one day. Okay? Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's start with Amazon ads. Okay? They're much, much, they're the best way to learn paid advertising. And because they're so slow, they're very forgiving. And, and newbies and beginners, they can learn without all the fear of wasting money. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So actually now I have more actions for you. You're going to go to your Amazon ads, or make an Amazon ads dashboard or, or account for Amazon ads, AMS, and go to Pat Flynn's Facebook group, Pat Flynn's ebook, and you're going to put both of your covers in there. Yeah. And I'm going to send you a link to that. I even have, I think I even have a presentation about that. Right. that only my insiders get. I'll send that to you. Oh, thank you. Okay. Thank and you. then we'll stick with that because, um, uh, you know, you have that other kid's book, but let, let's do this book first, right? Okay. okay. It would be lovely to think that, you know, my initial book that I, I bought out would do all right. You know, I actually, you know, I actually did about a thousand pound in sales ah. in the first year. With your book? And it was more local than anything, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. with people I knew. Um, okay, with the hardcover. Local shops. Yeah. The old cover, that was. That was with the old cover. But ah. it was a bit drab. The old cover was really drab, and it was a low-quality picture. Oh, well. Oh. Well, so, then we already know the answer to that, don't we? <laughs> but no, but see, this is the interesting thing. When you do this uh, A-B test in Pat Flynn's ebook group for free, right? Yeah. Uh, it, you will put both covers in there, and you know the other cover isn't as good. But yeah. that's not what it's about. You're, it's about connecting to people and getting them involved in your book and with you. Yeah. So so maybe you already know the old covers no good. Doesn't matter. <laughs> put put both covers in there again and ask people their opinion. Yeah. It's about connecting with people. You probably already know which covers better, you know, yeah. but you're you're connecting with people. So, okay, let's get back to the uh where were we? Okay. <laughs> now I I got the two actions for you. Yeah. And uh I'm going to send you the description and then okay. And then when you're all done with that, I'm also going to do the Katie Roy promo. Okay, so back to the questions. What questions should people be asking you? What is the one question you wanted to answer but nobody has asked? Um, do you know what? I, I don't really know. Um, people probably would want to know, can I write a book? Can I write a book? Yeah. No? Um, and I, I would say the answer to that is yes, of course you can. Anybody yeah. can write a book. You know, it, it's it's just something you just got to get your head together and just do. Like I did, put a few jottings down each day of little memories of 
things or something like that in that in that sort of like respect you know is the yeah. way we did it and you know i think that's probably that might help people to yeah. just do things that should write in heavens you know to to form your book I think yours is a wonderful example. You did kind of the snowflake method without even knowing it, you know. Um, and there's people making money off of this snowflake <laughs> method, you know. <laughs> I've even heard of it, Eric. Yeah, check it out, the snowflake method. All right. You'll right. be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Okay, then. I, I did learn a whole lot of stuff on the internet, though, on YouTube, you know, like format. Yeah. You know, how to format the book and everything yeah. like that, you know, for uploading. That was something where I found very useful YouTube. Uh, how did you find out about Z-Books? Um, I don't probably through the course of me trying to find out how to go about it. Yeah. yeah, YouTube has been very good for me. I've, I've yeah, got... Yeah, yeah. Your, your name came up, you know, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll subscribe to your, your list, you know. So very good. Probably what I did. Yeah, nice. So what's next for you? What's, what's coming up? Well, um, I I think, you know, obviously I'm retired now. I retired this last, um, well, about 14 weeks ago. And um, I've spent a lot of time in this last few weeks in my garden, uh, updating my garden because it, it looks so bad. Updating your garden, huh? Upgrading, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's beginning to look really nice now I, I i have spent a lot of money but i've enjoyed spending the money well, yeah but I, now you've got time to write a bunch of books and make more money yeah yeah true there is that as well hmm. yeah so um i i think i'm actually i'm going to try and have a go at doing this other children's book you know and see yeah. how i go on with that so okay that, that'll be in the pipeline really yeah let me know um when you're done with today's homework, then we'll get on your your children's book. And I've got a bunch of presentations, but I'm going to put something together, you know, more, uh, yeah, more more condensed and not not just a bunch of presentations. I'll put together a good a good workflow for you to oh, go for for KDP Rocket and KD Spy and etc. Even myself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I so. think I, I need um, somebody just to Gmail on it. Yeah. <laughs> I had to sneeze there. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right, you've got um, hay fever. I oh, yeah. Terrible, terrible hay fever. Well, I, I have sinus problems, too. So. Yeah. yeah. Again. We're on the same sort of wavelength here, I think, Eric. Well, uh, yeah, I, I've I've tried everything, but okay, okay that's a different topic. Yeah, okay, yeah. so, all right, you uh, is that you're in your early retirement, and now you're going to build your book empire and your garden, <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's good. do it then. Okay, yeah. is there um? Do you have a website? Uh, I don't actually have a website. Honestly, I have um, my Amazon um author page mm -hmm. but I, I do I wrote uh, on a blog I did a blog which was called My World of Inspiration um, and that was all about things that had happened to me throughout my life you know and I, I started writing these all down although I haven't written anything in there for a long long while so what's but the name of the blog it's called um, brecklandblogspot.com okay Perhaps I'll send that link through to you, Eric. Yeah, send me that. And your book is... 
Your book Sorry. is My Positive Face of Disfigurement, A True Story by David yeah. Bird. That's the one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And do you know your Amazon uh, author page URL? Um, yeah, I can send that through to you as well, can I? Okay, uh, yes, do that. A lot of, uh, you know, I suppose I could use something to cut the cut it down a bit. What do they call mm. it? Uh, tiny url or something like that. yeah well um actually mine's pretty easy amazon.com slash author slash eric z oh right so, oh, so no. quite, quite complicated you know it's uh oh yeah forward slash david dash bird forward slash e yeah i'll send it to you eric <laughs> yeah just send it to me you're right you're uh, right it's too complicated <laughs> i don't know why we we differ so much you know the two sites seem strange doesn't it you know is it that amazon you think they have the same way of doing things Over i here. tell you what it really annoys me because i'm in germany and i want american movies but when it comes to streaming or buying movies they won't let you buy in amazon.com it automatically kicks you over to Amazon.de, and it's so annoying because it's a different selection, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I don't know. Maybe it's for taxes, Big Brother. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's annoying, I tell you. But yeah. anyways, forget Amazon. We yeah. want to we want to talk about you for now. So what what else? What what would you tell um, anybody? What what is your message for the readers out there, or for any other handicapped people? Well, I think the main thing about being handicapped is to remain positive. Positive. Just be positive about your life. You know, don't don't sort of like let the problem that you have bring you down. You know, you have to rise above it. I know some handicaps are very difficult to, to cope with, but um, you know, I think I could have gone that way where I'd hidden away and not, you know, seen anybody. But I wanted to be out there and I wanted to be counted among the many not the few <laughs> you know oh among the many and not the few uh, yeah i i think i've I, I think i've made a little bit of an impression in my little lifetime you know 64 years yeah i don't think i've done too badly really i think your next book has to be how to make how to have an indomitable spirit <laughs> yeah yeah i like it yeah. okay all right, David. Thank you very much for your time. It's been real. It's been really great. Very, very. And you're well. an inspiring person. I love it. Oh well, I tell you what, Eric. You, you sort of like, you cheered me up no end because I was oh. a little bit worried, wasn't I? Nah. Uh, no. It's, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for this wonderful. You're welcome. And the book is called "My Positive Face of Disfigurement: A True Story" by David Bird. That's right. And I'll talk to you next time, my friend. All right, Eric. Okay, I look forward to it. And that would be lovely. That's, that's great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. You take care and all your family. Okay, my friends. If you like that podcast, then remember to go to zbooks.co and go get all the materials to start your authoring career. We have a seven-day challenge every week no excuse to not finish your book. And remember, please go to iTunes and upload this podcast and Google Play. Okay, I look forward to seeing you at the top.